Welcome to Optimal Neurospine Podcast, a podcast about optimizing our brain and spine in health and disease. Each episode, leading neuroscientists, neurosurgeons, educators, patients, spine care, and quality improvement experts discuss their research, experience, emerging science, surgical advances, and insights about how to optimize neurological and spine care. Now, here's your host, Dr. Max Boyacci. Welcome to the Optimal Neurospine Podcast. Today, I have two excellent guests who will be talking to us about their recent paper titled Activity-Dependent Spinal Cord Neuromodulation Rapidly Restores Trunk and Leg Motor Functions After Complete Paralysis. This was published in Nature Medicine in the last few weeks and has received a lot of press. The two senior co-authors on the paper are here. We'll be talking to them briefly about their work and their research and the field of neuromodulation of spinal cord injury. So Dr. Gregoire Cotin is a neuroscientist and a professor at the, and I may not be saying this right, Ecole Polytechnique Federale de Lausanne, EPFL. He can correct me later if I was wrong, where he is the co-director of the Defitech Center for Interventional Neurotherapies. Uh, neurorestoration of spinal cord injury. His research focuses on the field of neurotechnology with the aim to restore locomotive functions in patients with central nervous system disorders, such as spinal cord injuries, and he has published extensively in this area, including the much-discussed paper that we're going to talk about. Dr. Jocelyn Block is a neuroscientist and a neurosurgeon at the Lausanne University Hospital and also at the EPFL, she is in charge of the Functional Neurosurgery Unit at the uh, Lausanne University Hospital. She is an expert in deep brain stimulation and neuromodulation for movement disorders. Her recent work focuses on cortical cells called double cortin related to neurogenesis and brain repair. And also her work has recently focused on neuromodulation of spinal cord injury. Since 2019, Dr. Block and Dr. Cortine have led the NeuroRestore Laboratory jointly managed by the Lausanne University Hospital, the University of Lausanne, the Defitech Foundation, and the EPFL. Today, we'll be talking to them about some exciting things they're doing in their research. Dr. Cortine and Dr. Block, welcome. Thank you very much for inviting us. So would you summarize briefly the take-home message for your paper? I think the main message is that, you know, for the first time we have developed purpose built technology to stimulate the human spinal cord with the goal to restore mobility after spinal cord injury. And this new technology have been very effective, very rapidly enabling people to stand, step and train extensively. And at the end, they could use this technology outside the laboratory in order to support activities of daily living, such as standing, walking, cycling, swimming, etc. That is very exciting. Summarize for me the current understanding of how this works for the layperson. How much residual fibers does a spinal cord injury person need? And does the response to your epistimulation depend on the amount of residual fibers? Yeah, excellent question. So the key to understand is that after spinal cord injury, the region of the spinal cord that control leg muscle is disconnected from the brain. So the natural command from the brain does not reach this region. Although this region, in the majority of cases, is intact. It's only the last six centimeters of spinal cord. When we activate the spinal cord with electrical stimulation, we reactivate it, enable it to be functional. It doesn't take any 
fibers from the brain for this to occur. Meaning we can, in anyone, if the six centimeters are spared, induce standing and enable walking pattern. But the modulation of this movement requires some residual fibers. And with a total of nine individuals so far, we have seen that there's a direct correlation between the amount of residual fibers and how much people are able to modulate this activity. Yeah. Two of the three research participants uh, in your paper recovered the ability to volitionary generate hip flexion from supine position without epidural stimulation after six months of neurorehabilitation. Do you know if the non-responder individual presented characteristics that were different from the other two individuals? For example, less amount of spared cord tissue at the lesion site or a different level of spasticity prior to the beginning of epidural stimulation? Yeah, this is a very good question. And every individual will respond to the stimulation. Indeed, the extent of the modulation will depend probably on the one amount of residual fibers and the degree of spasticity, meaning the residual excitability in the spinal cord. The one person that did not show some volitional movement recovery without the stimulation was not necessarily different from the other Asia A. He was more recently injured, was started about one year after the injury, but we don't really know. Probably the lesion was more severe, but we have no direct evidence of this. Thanks for that explanation. In your previous work, you emphasized the importance of residual pathways to promote recovery with neurorehab and episteme training in patients with incomplete injuries. As you know, others have shown that individuals with motor complete injuries have the ability to recover voluntary movement in the presence of stimulation without the need for any training, providing evidence for immediate supraspinal control. How do you design your protocols to strengthen these pathways instead of forcing a dependency on the stimulation to generate the desired movements? So what we have observed is that when we turn on the stimulation, and this is even better observed in preclinical model in which we can really control all the factors, we can see that there's an immediate recovery of an access from the brain to the spinal cord below the injury. The more severe the lesion, the less effective is this communication. When it's complete, there is absolutely nothing going through and no modulation. So this is the one thing to emphasize. To see any neurological recovery without the stimulation, there need to be some residual pathways. There is no miracle. There is no growth of nerve fiber through a complete spinal cord injury. The way we proceed that is different maybe from others is that we don't apply continuous stimulation. We apply the pattern stimulation, meaning we stimulate the spinal cord at the correct location with the correct timing to activate the spinal cord as the brain would do naturally in order to walk. So there is really a strong convergence between what the brain is aiming at doing and where we stimulate. And we believe that this convergence enables more growth of residual connection and ends the recovery. I see. But the rehab is still important. It's not a situation where they could just stimulate and move without doing rehab to strengthen. This is the, the whole idea of this pattern stimulation because you have the volition and we stimulate at the correct location where the brain is trying to activate then it's effective, but also it enables the training. And by repeating the co-activation of the brain and the spinal cord very precisely, we believe that it is what enables the growth of new nerve connection. Oh, okay. Thanks for clarifying. Looking back, anything do you know now that you wish you knew starting out in this field? And how long have you been in this field? 10, 15 years? Anything that you know now that you wish you knew back then? 
It has been 20 years, actually, Max. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> okay, you look much younger. So, <laughs> years ago, you know, I was at Bridget Gerton's lab in front of the Paralas Rats with Yuri Gerasimenko, and uh, Susie Arkema was next door. I mean, it was an amazing moment for the field, I believe, of neuromodulation after spinal cord injury. We were all together in front of the rats, then with Susie in front of the first human being stimulated. And back then, I think. I didn't make the right choice to dive into the mechanism, really understand what do we stimulate, allow us to develop this pattern stimulation. And I, what I wish to know is what I don't know yet. What the future of this technology, like how much can we push it and what should be complemented because we know it's not enough. It's not a cure for spinal cord injury. So what should we add in order to have a true impact in the recovery of people? Question for Dr. Block. For the neurosurgeons in the audience, and I have a lot of neurosurgeons that listen to my podcast, you are an inspiration. Describe briefly your evolution and training and your current practice. How much research and how much surgery? So I was trained in Switzerland, mainly in Lausanne, but also in Zurich. And early during my training, I was uh, lucky enough to have access to basic research. I spent two full years doing uh, research and I really loved it. And it completely changed my way of thinking. And I knew that I needed in neurosurgery to find a topic in which I had access to discoveries, to research. And that's why I've chosen to be a functional neurosurgeon. So now I'm mainly a functional neurosurgery in Lausanne, doing 50% of my time taking care of patients. And the rest of the time is taking care of NeuroRestore together with Grégoire. Mm -hmm. Your team is an admirable example of a beautiful collaboration between a neurosurgeon scientist and a basic scientist. Any pearls and suggestions for other centers how to do this well? <laughs> it's hard to give a recipe. I think we were lucky to meet when Gregoire came to Lausanne. I mean, he met me. I had this interest for research and he has the interest in applying research in clinical studies. And together we did a lot. And we also probably inspired young people. And we have a lot of young people working with us that do a lot of work and uh, help us going fast and nicely. But it's hard to give one advice, I would say, except uh, passion and motivation. Let me see if I have time. I do not have time for it, but let me ask a couple of more questions for you because I know you have another appointment. I assume the next steps are to obtain FDA approvals, etc. On a previous webinar with Christopher Reeve Foundation a few days ago, you answered a lot of questions, so I will refer the audience to that webinar. But a couple of questions, Dr. Cortine, can you characterize, I know there are a couple of different approaches to epistem. Can you characterize the current approaches and how unique is your approach and what would you say has been your most significant contribution? I think, I mean, until now, people have used epidural stimulation or transcutaneous stimulation to apply an electrical field over the spinal cord. It's the idea that you maybe increase excitability, reactivate the spinal cord. And we do the same. What we do that is different is that because we can create stimulation at different locations, can really steer the current toward different regions, we can bring more specificity. So instead of activating just one group of muscle, we can activate very strongly the flexion, a bit less the extension, etc. And this specificity that requires the spatial specificity, but also introducing time, makes a huge difference because it adds a level of control for the people and increase the amplitude of the stimulation and then have more access to this muscle. And that's 
I think the key for a successful therapy in the future. And that's why we collaborate now with Onward Medical that is really building the technology that will be, as you said, uh, tested in a multi-center clinical trial to get FDA approval in order to make this available throughout uh, the world, starting in America. And I should mention you this, I believe you formed the company Onward in 2014 in order to bring your technology to patients and they are organizing the FDA approval. Once again, that's all discussed in the Christopher Reeve interview that you did a few days ago. The last question for you, which I ask all of my guests, is my magic wand question. If you had a magic wand, what would you really, really like to know? What question would you want answered immediately? Or what would you want to do with the one to accelerate and have the most impact? Jocelyn, what's your magic <laughs> wand? What is my magic wand? Jocelyn oh. <laughs> and I are both passionate about impacting the life of people with neurological disorder. And neuromodulation, we believe, is going to become very soon a commonly available treatment. But we also know, as I said before, it is not enough. And you mentioned Max in the introduction, Justin works a lot in cell therapy, also very much involved in preclinical research in neural repair. So now we have achieved regeneration through complete spinal cord injury, potentially combining with neuromodulation. So our magic wand is to achieve really the synergy between neuromodulation, rehab, and biological repair to have a really approaching a cure for spinal cord injury. So we have uh, the rest of our career to see this dream coming true. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Cortina and Dr. Block, for taking the time to speak to me in a rapid-fire fashion. And for my audience, thank you for the exciting work that both of you have been doing. Thank you, Max. See you soon in Louisville. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Optimal Neurospine Podcast with Dr. Max Boachi. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope you share it with others. Leave us positive reviews on social media or leave a rating and review on iTunes. Check out our website, maxwellboachi.com slash podcasts for show transcripts and other information. Join us next time for another edition of Optimal Neurospine Show. Optimal Neurospine.